0: Hello, and thanks for finding us. Karam Deo is a local church in Denver, Colorado. We are a network of friends following Jesus together. Join us for preaching, teaching, announcements, and other musings. If you guys haven't been here the last few weeks, our, our series has been on how to handle scripture. In the last three weeks, Dave has given us different handholds of how to live in the incarnation of scripture. It was awesome. If you haven't listened to those, go back on the podcast. I'm not going to rehash those, but it was beautiful how it's laid out in a heartbeat of discipleship, application, and understanding the Word, but really digging in and letting the Holy Spirit change us. For the next four weeks, we're going to take a different genre of Scripture and more so preach through it in the way Dave taught us to. And I'm going to jump into the book of Titus this week. So if you guys want to flip to Titus, if you have your Bible, It's written by Paul, and if you're not familiar, it's these letters towards the end. It's a little book of three chapters. If you're not familiar how the New Testament is laid out, actually all the letters from Paul are put in order from longest to shortest. So that's why Titus is towards the end. There you go. They're longest to shortest by author. We're going to dig in a little bit, okay? It is three chapters, and we're really just going off of one paragraph and one other verse. I'm going to pray and just start us off. Holy Spirit, I just thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for this family of Karam Deo that we get to celebrate you together and worship you together. Serve together to impact our city and bring the beauty of Jesus to our city. And we get your word that's been with us for, for centuries and millenniums to actually continue to speak to us and guide our steps, Lord. So yeah, may you be with us as we finish out this time together. Yeah, in your name, amen. So there's this, in the Old Testament, there's a, there's a book called Ecclesiastes. And it really talks about how everything is meaningless. This is meaningless. Your job is meaningless. Everything's meaningless. But there's a little part in there about halfway through that says, sometimes going to funerals are better than going to parties. And you're like, oh, how does that make sense? But I think what it is, it brings you to a place of reflection on life, of what what is life all about, right? When you go to a funeral, it actually stops you in your tracks and actually lets you celebrate life. It lets you see a story that's been written there's no oh but wait let me tell you what i meant it was a story that you reflect and you celebrate and you mourn and you think about what was my life for it's been making me think about when i was in YWM, i uh, was 23 years old leading a bunch of students i was supposed to be discipling these other 20 year olds and i was in kona hawaii And I brought these young guys up to a little tiny graveyard up on the hills in Kona. And I said, walk around the graveyard and look at what the tombstones say. And there was this little guy named Coe, and he's from L.A., and he popped his collar. He wore, like, pink polos, and I'm trying to guide him. I knew nothing about that because I wore Jordan shorts, you know, with little flip-flops. But anyway, it's not here or there. But the point was to, like... Ask them, hey, what's your legacy supposed to be? Let's start at the end, and what kind of legacy are you trying to live out with your life? Like, what do you want to give away at the end? What can you take with you at the end? You can't take with you your job. You can't take with you your clothes, your your pop-collar pink polos. But what you can take with you is the relationships that you build. What you leave behind is a spiritual will, you know? Some of us may be wealthy, some of us may not, but we all have a chance to actually give away like a will, like impact a spiritual legacy to other people. And as we step into Titus, I would say that this letter is written by Paul to one of his little guys named Titus, probably within the year of Paul's death. Paul dies in Rome with his head getting chopped chopped off within the year. And this is one of his last letters to Titus. Charging him on with how to live. It's like Paul gave this guy a legacy. It's like a spiritual will. But the one thing we'll learn in here, this letter itself isn't necessarily a spiritual will. It's not like it got started in the hour he wrote this letter because it's really short. It actually started... 30 years before like you don't write your will this kind of spiritual will like when you're on your deathbed or in the nursing home you start writing it right now and this was Paul in Acts chapter 9 when he got struck off of his horse his life instantly changed and he started living a life in a way that started writing a spiritual legacy a spiritual will per se to generations of people who came after. He started shaping his life completely different, centering around sacrificing and impacting people. I'm going to try to back up like Dave did. So I push pause second. Dave's telling us that the Bible, yes, is inspired. This book is inspired. And I would say not just inspired as he's writing it. It's a lifetime of Paul being inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it's not just inspiration like gold tablets floating down, like Dave said, in an instant. It's the Holy Spirit working over 30 years that brings inspiration of the Holy Spirit to actually write this piece. And at the same time, Paul wrote this, right? So it is human. Like Paul wrote it, physically wrote this piece. So the thing that Dave emphasized is the scripture is a mix of incarnation. It is the spirit, but it is the human flesh mingling together to leave a legacy that shapes people into image bearers and sons and daughters of the king. And this is the beauty of this culture that, that is in this book. So some background of Titus, Paul's sending his little guy, Titus, a young non-Jewish guy to a very Jewish island called Crete. And by Cretan's own place, they're known as lousy, no good, evil, liars, gluttons, and not to be trusted. And it wasn't the Bible who said this. There's a, quoting a, uh, a Cretan of their time period. Not a, not a Christian. A Cretan said, don't trust any Cretans. They're horrible people. And it's carried on to this day. If you look up Cretan in the dictionary, it's still there. It's a lousy, no good... <laughs> And there's a lot of other connotations to it. It's still connected to this location. And Paul is sending this young guy saying, go get him, tiger. Go go make leaders out of these no good rotten people. And what you're thinking of is, Paul, why don't you do it? If these people are so horrible, why don't you do it? Is Titus feeling that? He's a young guy. Paul's just sending him out of nowhere to the hardest place in the region to say, go make him better. But that's missing the point. Let's read chapter one, verse four. And usually we skip over this part of the letters. It says, To Titus, my true child in common faith, grace and peace from God the Father, Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's saying his true son, he has family. If you've been with me at all this year, you hear me repeatedly over and over emphasize to this community, we're meant to be spiritual parents. Like sacrifice your life for your house church, sacrifice for your neighborhood. But this is actually what Paul is doing. And the story of Titus doesn't start right there. The story of Titus starts about 20 years before on Paul's first missionary journey. He went with this guy named Barnabas, one of my favorite characters to this place called Galatia. And in this time, he met this young guy, as they're doing ministry around, named Titus. And Titus lived in a Jewish community, but he was not Jewish, he was Greek. He was an outcast who looked down. He was one who lived his life in shame and held his head down because he was trying to belong. He tried hard, but he didn't fit in. He wasn't accepted. He wasn't home. And at this moment, and and I'm finding this out of Acts, out of the book of Galatians. And at this moment, Paul saw him, spoke into existence and said, Titus, you're a son. You belong. This is who you are. You're not an outcast. And for all of us, we know this, right? When someone sees you, like really sees you and sees your brokenness and says, you're accepted. There's something in us that hits. And I would say that is the role of being this spiritual parent that Paul was modeling. And as he was leaving town, Titus comes running up to Paul and says, take me with you. I want to be like you. And I don't know about you guys, think back. Have you had somebody who runs to you and says, I want to be like you. I want my life to look like yours. It doesn't happen as much in this day when's the last time you said to someone i want to be like you i want to model my life after you there was something hungry in titus so paul took him with him paul and barnabas and the next chapter 15 took him before this big court hearing in jerusalem and it was the place for paul to prove his ministry and in this very moment, Titus, still shameful, doesn't know who he is, Paul takes him in front of this Jerusalem council and says, this is Titus, I want to tell you about him. And in front of this, massive leaders in this place said, we believe in Titus. He is not a Jew, but he is actually a God-fearer who God loves, and we are going to send him out and believe in him. And in that moment, a spiritual parent took a young child who didn't believe in him and stated publicly in front of people that he's believed in. He has skills to offer. And I don't know if that's happened to you, but if it does, it feels so validating. You're like, what? Somebody believes in me to the extent of putting their reputation on the line? And that's what parents do for their kids, don't we, every day? I don't care how crazy Selah is. I'll put my reputation in the line over and over for my Selah. And do I feel the same thing about Titus's who run in my way or do I not? Something happened at Paul in Acts 9 that he would sacrifice his reputation again and again to show that Titus belonged. Over the years leading up to this book, This just didn't happen. Now go to Crete, you're done. The next 20 years, Paul modeled to him how to actually live a life that was for other people, how to give your life away, serve the refugees, the outcasts, how to sacrifice your life for other people. And then he did something crazy. He said, okay, Titus, now I'm going to send you. And if you look in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, who does Paul send to Corinth to a place That actually is in utter chaos. People are in conflict. He goes, Titus, I can't go. Will you go represent me and represent Jesus? Why? Because he started validating. He goes, I've modeled to you long enough. Now you go try it. That's what spiritual parents do. Think about what you do to your kids. I remember the first day sending Isla even in first grade to into her first grade classroom. I stood out, she walked into school and I just stood there. And I go, no, 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 she's strong. She can do this. But I'm weeping because I love her so much and I want her to be protected, but I know I need to send her out. And at that moment, that's what Paul did with his Titus. And then Paul, Titus came back and reported all the news. He goes, okay, go back again. And there's more reports in 2 Corinthians of Titus with him and then we come to this place and what do we know about Titus why would Titus his true son why yes Paul led Titus probably to the Lord spiritually but Paul was Titus's hero think about who our hero is we all have heroes who is it why are they your hero I've had many heroes in my life my dad being one of them, because he's so generously awesome with the outsider, relationally gives his life away generously over and over again. There's a hero of mine who passed in the last five years named Floyd McClunn. a hero who gave his life again and again for other people. But I think what Titus saw was a hero, an example of how to live faith. He was his father. He was. It wasn't lording over him It was actually Paul submitting his life sacrificially to his son Titus. And what did Paul model to him? A guy who would get stoned to death on the side of the road for sharing about this God who radically changed him inside out. And Paul would go back into the city and be like, I must've told the story wrong. Let me go back in and see if I said it wrong so they can hear the story again. He'd get stoned and keep going almost to death He loved people in such a way that was different than anything Titus have experienced. Paul would hear the voice of the Lord. He's on his journeys and be praying and hear this thing called the Macedonian call. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's fine. But he would change the direction of his ordinary steps of his job. When Paul was in Thessalonica, the books of Thessalonians, he actually had a job set up in a little stall and he had a workshop doing his tent making thing and Titus was with him and he'd probably see people coming in and out of his workplace and be like whoa Paul values people he's my hero gives his life away Has spiritual depth he loves people unconditionally even if they're different Paul goes into a city of Athens, a place that doesn't believe in any Jewish God at all, and finds a way to speak about God in a way that the people's worldview makes sense with. He wasn't stuck in his own worldview. He loved people more than his own worldview. He sacrificed his own cultural identity for others to get a sniff of goodness that they're sons and daughters of the king. Paul was a spiritual parent. And this letter is now 20 years later, probably six months before Paul gets sent back to Rome, gets beheaded for his faith. And Paul is sending him into this place. And I'll I'll read this. He sends him into, into Crete and says, now you go be a spiritual father too. You go be a spiritual parent to people who don't know. Go live out and become a hero before these people in such a way. I would say this is the very verse of what probably, not just he's telling him to do for these people, this is what Paul did to him when he first met him 20 years before. So I'll read it. I'll change a few pronouns. But I think this, he's just repeating what he said to Titus 20 years before. Because right before this, if you read this, it shows how you're rotten, you're no good. Titus, at that point, when he first met Paul, already knew he was rotten, already knew he didn't belong, already knew people didn't accept him, and he barely accepted himself. Have you guys seen the the new movie? We see it all the time, the Disney movie, Encanto. So if you haven't seen it, you got to watch it. The director of it directed Hamilton, so it's sweet music, but there's one song about the strong girl, Selah loves the strong girl right and the whole point of the start of it is i'm so strong i can carry anything my sisters tell me they need something and i do it i am in like i'm i'm unbreakable and then halfway through it shifts and she's like but on the inside like my identity's broken and i can't even care for myself and i'm like isn't that how most of us live don't we have brokenness inside that we need spiritual parents to validate and say this very thing to And I'd say, that's what Titus probably was doing. And Paul comes in and sees him. And he says, when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, he saved you, Titus, not because of how good you were, how many churches you carried or whatever the strong girl says, but by you in righteousness, but according to God's mercy for you by the washing and regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit in you. Titus, you don't get it, but the Holy Spirit struck me off a horse and axe. And that's the spirit that's changing you. You've got to know it. You don't get it yet. But that spirit is going to give you confidence of sonship again. Whom God poured out on you richly, Titus, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, you might become his heir according to hope of eternal life. Titus, you don't get it, but you're an heir. You belong. You're a son to the extent that he will give his authority to you. And he's like, no, no, you don't understand. I don't have authority. He goes, yes, you do. You just don't know it yet. After Paul's experience with the Holy Spirit in Acts 9, something shifted where he had eyes that saw people as image bearers before they believed it themselves. And now at this point in the letter, obviously I changed the pronouns. He's saying, you saw me live out that paragraph over the last 20 years. Now you go do it too, to Crete. You go live as a spiritual parent who sacrifices their life for people. And brings people into their image barreness. And it's a charge. And why would he do this? He's he's representing Paul again. Why would he do this? Because he's believed in. His identity had shifted over the last 20 years. Now Paul is leaving him in his legacy. This is a will he's handing down. Paul didn't have land to hand down, but he had a spiritual legacy to hand down. I think about when I die with my kids and what are some things I wish they would say about me? You know, Isla, Selah, Bodhi, what would I want to say about my, their dad? I don't know if I have a lot of money, you know, running Karam Deo and all, but I long to actually give them a spiritual will. And I longed for them to say, my dad had spiritual passion. I longed for them to say, whatever he did with his life, he chose to do it from a passion of trying to follow the Lord. I saw him in the mornings praying for people. He would hear the voice of God and actually change direction with how he tried to do business and tried to do friendship. My, I hope they say his life was earmarked by his passion for Jesus. It's been a long for them to say. I hope they say, like Paul, that he, lo- he had a love for people. He sacrificed his life to actually open up doors so other people knew their heirs and image bearers. Paul did that over and over at the extent of him dying. And I hope my kids look at me and say, my dad was a mentor and a discipler. He would go out and meet people at coffee shops in our home on Thursdays and try to study the Bible or on Sundays at house church when life was crazy. and Kids were crazy all over, but they just tried to actually continue to grow in Jesus. My dad loved people. He invested his life for the other. Paul, over and over again, he invested for the other. For the other people, he traveled and empowered. And you guys, Titus wasn't the only one who did this. He had a Timothy. The book of Timothy is written to Timothy who was in Ephesus. Second Timothy is his last book he wrote, who charged him on his spiritual will. And this is what I say. These books weren't just written. These books weren't written in a few hours. They're written in a few decades. Because the the inspiration of the spirit was moving on Paul's life for decades. So that dance of incarnation of human and spirit was decades long. I just hope I have a spiritual legacy to impact others. Paul was a man who aimed his life for other people. And I hope for this. This is one thing I hope. I mean, we've, if you're into church culture, there's some podcasts out there with bigger churches than Cromdale. But there's stuff going on and we've seen it over and over again why people hate the church. But I hope my kids look at me and say he was a man of integrity and character who he submitted to the Lord for lordship. I hope my kids don't see scandals And at the funeral, they can come to my funeral and don't have to live in shame, like to hide a story. There's no issues for them to take care of. And this was Paul. There wasn't another scandal when he died. There was no issue at the end. And they just got to celebrate and say, how did he love people? How did he have spiritual passion for the Lord? How did everything that he directed, his job, his everything, direct towards God? So I I want you to see what I did. Like, obviously, we didn't get through the three chapters of Titus, (laughs) right? If I was convincing Dave, I'd say, Dave, we should stay on Titus for the next three weeks. But too bad he vetoed that. (laughs) But my whole point was just saying, this is a call of what Jesus modeled to Paul in a way that we encountered Jesus. Paul encountered Jesus through the Holy Spirit, which was different than Peter. And he encountered Jesus similar to how we are, through the Holy Spirit. And he got commissioned to live as a parent who sacrifices their life, who makes choices that is best for their family, who makes choices that is the best for other people. And I would say this, how are you guys right now living as spiritual parents? This is the very piece that I'm doing if I push time out of what Dave shared to us of like, hey, if we just do all that, I just did a bunch of background stuff, you know? Like all this background stuff, we're like, oh, that's cool. Now we're better, you know, I forget what he labeled, but like scholars. So now you get a little bit more of Paul and Titus. But what he was saying is we need to be a faithful reader, right? Right? Like he said, are we faithful readers? Not are we scholarly readers, moral readers, but are we faithful readers? And that leads us to this point. How are you a parent? Who are the people right in front of you that you're meant to parent, that you're meant to have spiritual passion for, that you're meant to actually sacrificially love for, that you're meant to walk with integrity, where your life at the end that you hand your kids, is that your biological kids or other ones, a spiritual will? Is your life right now in a place where you're writing a will? Who's been your spiritual parents? Let's flip it. Yeah, you're supposed to be one, but who's been your spiritual parents? I've had a few. There's one guy named Sean Murphy. He's a big man with a really small voice. He's like, hey guys, you want to go camping? That was bad impressions. But if you knew Sean, Sean is approaching 60, I think. He's pushing 20 years older than me, but he initiated spiritual conversation with me again and again. Not a monologue, a conversation. He took interest in my life. A guy who was in his 20s and he was in his 40s. And he made it seem like my issues I had at 20 were important. Because it's easy when you're 40 to look at a 20-year-old and be like, those issues? <laughs> but that's not kingdom. That's not a parent. He made my issues seem important. He spoke a better life into Matt Hall's life, into existence, before I could even see it. Sean Murphy was one of those parents for me. Floyd McClun was one of those parents. My own personal father is one of those parents who have given me a spiritual legacy. A guy named Jeremy West, an Australian guy, is one of those spiritual parents who kept coming into my life and checking in and not quitting on me, even though I didn't get the whole picture he did. He's a spiritual parent. Who were yours? What'd they do? Why are they your heroes? Who's your hero? Sounds like a cliche thing, but I'm like, seriously, who's your hero and why? I love this about Paul. If you look in 1 Thessalonians 2.20, he talks about what he boasts about. Let me brag about my life. And he said, you people from Thessalonians are my boast. From Thessalonica, you are my boast. Our culture always tells us if it's income, job status, how you look, all these things, your schedule, or your boast. And I'm saying those will be gone. The things that will last are your relationships. Who are the relationships that you parent? Who are the relationships that you let parent you? This is the call of following Jesus. This is what Paul was commissioning Titus into. He said, my son, those dirty, rotten, no good scoundrels. There is a church there, but they're not very theologically sound. Go in there and empower them to be heirs who know that they're an image bearer guide them through, listen to their stories that seem like they don't matter to you and find creative, passionate, Jesus-led ways for them to live into spiritual parents too. Learn to actually give them a spiritual will at the end of your life. This letter, this very letter of Titus, read through it, you guys. It's a rich letter. There's so much impact and this is why I wish we could stay on it for the next... Month. This letter is inviting Titus to write his own spiritual legacy among the outcasts of religious society. This is Titus inviting to be friends with people who aren't easy to be friends with. To sacrifice your life and show people that they're valuable to the Lord when they forget they are. So this is how I want to end. I just wanna pray over us. And I want you to think about that legacy of starting to write your will right now. So if you're hungry for writing a spiritual will like this, living this out, applying it to your life, I just wanna open up our hands and say, Lord, yes, I want this. So I'm just gonna pray that over us and, and we'll be done. Lord Jesus, we're ready. One, Lord, we can't do this on our own. We can't be the strong girl. We can't just lift churches and carry everybody's burdens to get identity. It comes from you just placing it in our hands right here. Lord, may you place us and remind us again and again that your presence is what gives us hope. Your presence is what gives us identity. Your presence is what gives us value. We can't reproduce something we haven't cultivated in our own life, Lord. May you place that in our hand, that it's not how many weights we lifted or how many people we've impacted, but it's you, Lord Jesus. So may your presence soften our hearts and humble us. And God, I pray you make us hungry to write a spiritual will right now to be a legacy, to be spiritual parents who give our life away over and over again. God, may you open up our eyes to actually see the people who are right in front of us that we're just meant to love, care for, believe in. Listen to their issues. Smile at them and speak words of encouragement and hope. God, may this room be filled with the parents who are writing a legacy. May we be Titus. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to connect further, please visit us at www.cdchurch.org.